You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. Hey, church family, it's a gift to be with you. My name's Jonathan, just one of the pastors here. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. We'll go 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, 14 is where we'll start. As you're turning there, we're in week five of six of our Praying Life series, and we've said this, we've said when, when Jesus came, he came announcing the kingdom of God. And another way to, to hear that announcement is Jesus saying to people, you don't have to live this way anymore, you don't have to live your, your current life anymore, that we've been saying in this series that Jesus wants to take us to a deeper life, to a different type of life characterized by a praying life. And I just, I just want us to believe that afresh tonight at the four o'clock. Uh, service. One of the stories that's in my mind is in the Gospel of Luke, um, Jesus tells Peter, he says, Simon, you're about to be sifted like wheat. Simon Peter is about to go through amazing, uh, amazing is not the right word there, awful spiritual attack from the enemy. And Jesus doesn't give him temptation 101, like, hey, I was in the desert once, here's what you should do. He doesn't give him a lot of spreadsheets. He just says, I've prayed for you, you know, like he, it's almost like he thinks that that'll be enough for Simon Peter. And it's just amazing. We've been trying to lean into this idea of a praying life and like hear the prayers from our brothers and sisters that have come long before us and then lean into them. So we've looked at Nehemiah's prayer for repentance. We've looked at the Lord Jesus's, the Lord's prayer. We've looked at um, last week, uh, Jeremiah's lament, the early church's prayer for boldness a couple weeks ago. And then tonight, here we're gonna be in Paul's prayer we're just gonna say Paul's prayer for the weary and the confined. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, I think you're there now. Um, i just love to read it for us, just to start with God's word to us, and then uh, we'll kind of continue to jump in. Paul says this, "'For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, "'from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, "'that according to the riches of his glory, "'he may grant you to be strengthened with power "'through his Spirit.'" in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Father of glory, we just pray that you'd make us strong in you tonight. Would you put steel in our bones? Would you put ballast in the belly of our boats so that we don't capsize when storms and difficulties come? Would you root us and ground us in your love tonight? Would you strengthen us, God? Would you show us how needy we are for you to do this and what a journey we're on that we get to plumb the depths of who you are and that never ends, immeasurable and unlimited God. And as always, your word under your spirit really are enough for your people. I just pray, would you speak to us in such a way that it would be undeniable that it's, that it's nothing but your spirit speaking to the hearts of men and women tonight. Change us. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, about 15 years ago or so, I had the privilege of living overseas in East Asia. And so I was there and we were part of a team. And one of the rhythms that we had with our team is about once a month, we would kind of go off into the city and just spend time um, just with the Lord and like trying to see the people and be reminded of what God had for us. And so this is like too long ago, but I have like my iPod in. And so hello, and I'm walking the streets of the city 
and I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking down this really long stretch and just the masses, the masses are, are along this bus stop and just out of the corner of my eye, I see this man grab what appears to be like a long gadget that can like snap at the, at the end. It's kind of like spatula-ish, but it's got a snapping component and he pulls it out of his pocket, puts it into the purse of a lady beside him, pulls out money from her purse and puts it back in his pocket and just, you know, just continues to chill there. And I, if you know me, I've got a little bit of a justice bone in me of like, okay, I need to make this right. You know, and it's like, what do I, what do I do? I'm like a month into language learning. I don't speak the, I don't speak the language super well. I remember I had just come home recently and I was learning the same things that a mom was teaching her baby as I was on her way home. And like, so I like super discouraging. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do in this moment, but I'm like, I got to do something. And so I just get out the only words I know, and I accidentally say, I give you to her. So like, can you imagine that? Like this random guy, I look, I look at her and I go, I, I give you. And she's looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I start trying to play a pointing game. I point to the guy, I point to her, and it's just not working for me. I'm fumbling, I'm grasping, I'm trying to make something happen. Then all of a sudden, I remembered someone had taught me the word for robber. And so I said, Chateau. And then I pointed to him and I pointed to her purse. And miraculously, she looks into her purse, looks at him, and he starts running. And then she starts running after him. I'm like, what is happening here? And then I just walked away, you know, like I didn't know what else to do in that moment. And, and then I'm walking and all of a sudden, I think, I kind of want to go back and see what's happening. And then so I walk back, and they have caught this man. They've got this robber. And this is going to sound like I made it up, but they start chanting, um, la why, la why at me, which means foreigner. You know, it's their way of like dignifying me. And so they're like chanting that. It's like the bit, I'm just sharing with you the biggest glory moment I'm ever going to have in my entire life. Got to let you be a part of that. And uh, what, what, you're like, what? Who is this guy? Why, why in the world tell you that tonight? Here's why. If you will swing to me all the way from that spiritually, we get to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And Paul really is, if you'll go with me, he's grasping for words. He doesn't have words that he can get around to communicate to these believers all that he longs for, for them in Jesus Christ. They're a weary people. Look at verse 13. He says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. You don't ask someone not to lose heart. Another way to say that is don't faint, don't be discouraged. You don't ask that unless they're a discouraged people. And then the other context of that is Paul is in prison. 3-1, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, Jesus on the behalf of the Gentiles. Look at 4-1, right after this prayer, 4-1, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Paul, so see the word picture. Paul is in prison. There's this manifold gospel that he's longing to be made known among the Gentiles, but he is shackled. He's shackled in prison, not getting out. These brothers and sisters, they're weary. Paul's longing for them to grasp these unsearchable truths in Christ. And the only thing he knows how to do because he's grasping for words and they're not enough is he begins to get down on his knees before the Father and beg that God will do for these people what he can't do. And he starts using language, you'll see it, that's majestic. And he's adding these amazing adjectives and superlatives because he's it's almost like he can't get words around how amazing God is and how much he wants God to do something phenomenal in the lives of these brothers and sisters here in Ephesus. And it's this beautiful prayer. And here's just what I'm praying for tonight. I'm just praying that God will lift our gaze tonight just to see him 
I pray that we'll see, one, just the posture that God invites us to come to when it comes to prayer. Secondly, just praying that we'll see um, just the priorities that God desires in prayer, and then just last, the power that's available to us. And so this word for a weary and a confined people, here's the first. The first is just the posture. So look look how Paul comes. He says, for this reason, what's the reason? Again, they're weary, he's in prison, the unsearchable riches of Christ have gotta be made much of, but there's a disconnect. He's praying that God will do what he can't do. That's the reason, so what does he do? He gets low, I love it. I bow my knees before the Father. And look at what type of father he says we have, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So hear this, stop for a second, hear um, uh, infinite, and then hear intimate, hear immense, grand, glorious father, and then see and hear his grace that he comes close. What type of father is he? He's one among whom every family in heaven on earth is named. Every family, families past and families present, families to come, families in Africa and families in Europe and families in the States, families that have been worshipers of our Lord Jesus Christ and families that will be. He's saying this is a father, this is a a strong, infinite, immense type of father, but he's a father. And we can come to him in intimacy. And Paul says, in a lot of that, I, I bow my knees before the Father. That, that posture of bowing the knees, it, it wasn't the normal posture of prayer. It wouldn't be um, crazy like that happened in the scriptures, but it wasn't the normal posture. The normal posture was standing. And Paul is taking the abnormal posture and he's getting low. It's this picture of humility. It's this picture of submission. It's this picture of fervency. In a sense, I think the word picture is Paul is dropped to his knees, but is also his jaw is dropped in awe of who God is. He's humble, yet he's in awe. He's, he's not how some of us come to God. It's not like a microscope, and he's not looking through the microscope and evaluating God based on what he thinks God should have done, and, and he has control over it, and he's coming skeptical and cynical, and I, I know that happens at times. No, it's more telescope. Paul is under the object being studied. He doesn't have control, and he, he's just jaw-dropped and bent knee and humility and awe because of what he knows to be true of this father. It's amazing, and guys, it's, it's amazing that he's just praying, is it not? Like, I'm prone to stop praying these moments. It's amazing that he's praying. Look at this quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, look at what he says. This is one of those quotes that I love so much, I really, we could go home on this one, but look at it with me. The enemy can confine Paul to a cell. He can bolt and bar doors. He can chain him to soldiers. He can put bars in the windows. He can hem him in and confine him physically. But hear this, but he can never obstruct the way from the heart of the humblest believers to the heart of the eternal God. Isn't that amazing? Do you hear what he just said? That the enemy, your flesh, the world, whichever way you wanna go, Lloyd-Jones is talking about the enemy here, um, he can confine you in circumstantially. He can put you in places where you feel weary, confined, and I don't know what to do and where to go. But he says this, just like of Paul, he can never obstruct the way from the heart of the humblest of believers to come into the heart of the eternal God. He can never obstruct you bringing your limited self to the unlimited and eternal God. In our prayer series here, here's what we've done. We've normally tried to preach for about 30 minutes and then give you a 10 minute prayer block at the end. Just wanna do something different tonight if you'll come with me. We're gonna stop a couple times throughout and just pray right as we jump into a point. So if you if you do this with me, we're gonna have a reflection question. I just want you to think about this, how have your present circumstances maybe hindered you? Have they hindered you? How have they hindered you 
and coming to God in prayer? Have they hindered your fervency in any way? Have they hindered your humility or your awe in any way? So think on that for a minute. And I just want you to pray. Would you just pray for a moment and pray something in silence? Ask God to grant you this praying life. Ask him to grant you a posture of humility and awe that keeps coming to him in prayer. So just wanna pause, let you kind of do that. This will be more a reflective point. Reflect on that. Come before the Father in prayer and then I'll kind of keep leading us. All right, so the first thing that that God is showing us through Paul is the posture that he's inviting us to, this posture of humility, this posture of awe, but it's not just posture, there's also a priority that God desires for us. I just want us to look at the priority of Paul's prayers. I want you to imagine yourself again. Imagine yourself in Paul's position if you can. You are in prison, your people are weary. What do you pray for? Paul's central prayer is, is not for a change in circumstances. It's, it's kind of striking, you know, almost to the point where you're like, Paul, are you connected? Like, are you pastoral? Or is everything okay, you know, with you, Paul? But the, I just want us to hear tonight, that's not a bad prayer. Jesus prays, let this cup pass for me. So if it's good enough for him, I think it's good enough for us. That, that change in circumstances is not a bad prayer. But what's striking is that for whatever reason, the apostle Paul, he never prays that for his friends. He's always praying that they would go deeper in the love of God, that God would change them, not just their circumstances. He's concerned not about external circumstances. He's concerned about their internal strength. Paul cares a lot about their inner being. He cares about their, their inner sanctification, their, their inner life in the midst of weariness. Not surprising, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. You remember this? So we do not lose heart. Why does he say we don't lose heart? Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Or I think of 1 Samuel 16, 7, where it says that we, men and women, we're prone to look on the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks upon the heart. So what does Paul pray? He says, according to the riches of your glory, Father. That's an amazing supply source. According to those riches, would he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being? That's amazing. What a beautiful prayer. He's praying for spiritual strength. What comes to my mind, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the... uh, Thing they were doing out in Arizona, the biosphere, that they were trying to create this perfect environment. And they were creating this environment where trees and shrubs and bushes could grow up really fast. And so it was an insulated, think of like a bubble environment. And what happened is exactly that. The trees were growing faster than they grew in any other places that they had recorded. But here's what they found after, excuse me, a couple of months, the trees would just randomly just topple over out of nowhere, just toppling, toppling, falling over. And they began to look into it. What was the reason? And they came to the conclusion it was because there was no wind. There was no, hear this, there was no resistance. There was no tension. There were no storms in the biosphere. And so whereas the trees grew up really fast, none of the trees had roots. And so out of nowhere, they would just topple and fall over. And here Paul is saying, I want you to be spiritually strong. I want you to be all that Christ Jesus has envisioned for you. And so I'm not just praying for a change in your circumstances, not a bad prayer. I've got a greater prayer for you. I want God by the power of his Holy Spirit to strengthen you in the midst of your circumstances. And then look look what he says, why? Here's why in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, that, that, this is to believers, right? So Christ already dwells in their hearts. He's asking for a deeper type of experience, a deeper type of dwelling. That word dwell means to settle down, 
So it's good for someone like me that can like talk fast paced and get anxious and passionate, like it settle down. You know, it's, it's this idea of settling down. It's the difference between temporary residence and permanent residence. So I feel like if you live in DFW at some point, you just gotta live at the village apartments. It's just like part of it, right? At some point, uh, we've lived there twice as a family. Thank you very much, my poor wife. And so, no, we love the village apartments. But now we're in a house in Farmer's Branch. Here's the difference, apartment and house, temporary versus permanent residence. Um, and temporary residence, things start going wrong. And I'm just like, oh, it's okay. Like someone's gonna help fix this. But now at our permanent residence here, all of a sudden things start getting knocked about. And it's still, a con- it's, a, it's an inconvenience either way, but it's like, oh, like I think I need to figure out why our foundation is imploding, you know, in the middle of our house, or I gotta figure this out. Um, I think this idea is similar to the Lord's Prayer. Paul is saying, you know, thy kingdom come, like in their hearts, would you be king over any area, Jesus? King to say to us, tear this down. King to say, reroute this, fix this, change this. C.S. Lewis said it beautifully in this quote that you might've heard before. Look at it with me on the screen. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He is getting the drains right. He's stopping leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace, one that he intends to come and live in himself. See what Paul is saying? God, strengthen them in the midst of their circumstances. And God, would you do it in such a way that Christ might dwell and reside in a deeper way in their hearts? Would you, would you do that, Father? So it's just our little second block here. I just wanna encourage this, if you're, if you're able, 4 p.m. The first one was more reflective. There's a reflection question on this one, but after you reflect, I just would encourage you, just pray in groups, pray out loud, feel free to do that. But here, here's part of the question, is it possible that God is doing a reconstruction of our hearts and lives in a way that doesn't make sense. Is that possible tonight for us as believers? Is it possible that our expectations, my expectations, your expectations, the Christian life, is it possible they've been too small? Is that possible? So I just want you to think about what, what are the circumstances in your life right now that feel confining, that feel difficult, that feel entrapping at times? Where are the places where you feel weary, where your heart needs to be encouraged in the Lord? And think about that. And then take some time and just pray, God, would you build up our spiritual resistance so that Christ might settle down more and more in our hearts? Would you do that individually? God, would you do that corporately for Northway Church? Let's go there for a minute, spend a minute or so reflecting, and then feel free to pray out loud in groups for this prayer, prayer block point. Father, we just ask that for each and every individual personally and just for our church corporately, for the church corporately, would you strengthen us? Would you strengthen us for the days ahead? Would you make us a people of spiritual resistance so that Christ might settle down more and more in our hearts, that he might be king over every area in our hearts? He is king, but that we would submit to his kingship and anything he wants to do, anything he wants to rearrange. Just thank you that you've heard the prayers of your people tonight. Just pray this for Jesus' sake. So, so here where Paul has gone so far, he's, he showed us this posture with which he comes with, and now he's getting to these priorities that God desires. The first priority is that God would strengthen them spiritually. The second priority is for knowledge and experience of the love of Christ. There's two main priorities in this text. Here's, this is the second one, the second main prayer. Someone once said this, someone once said, one of the highest attainments in the Christian life 
is to know the love of Christ. One theologian at the end of his life, when asked about the most profound truth he ever learned, he began to quote that children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So here, look what Paul says first, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So one word picture is botanical, the other is architectural. Listen to the picture here that Paul's saying, this is true of you, rooted and grounded in love, Christians. He wants us to be well-rooted trees. And he wants us to be well-built houses where love is the soil upon which our houses need to be built and which our lives need to be rooted. We say at times, you know, God's love, oh man, that's so basic, like I get it. But Paul is saying, I want you to experience it deeper. In fact, this prayer is filled with these things that Christ already dwells, wanting to dwell in deeper ways. You, you've heard of his love, I want you to experience it deeper. In a little bit, filled with his fullness, You've, that's true of Christians. Ephesians has already said, you're filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to experience that more. It's a prayer for experiencing the love of God. And look what he says. He says, I want you, this feels so counterintuitive. I want you just to have strength, he says, that you might comprehend the love of God. That, that word, this verb means uh, fight against a strong opponent where strength is required. Doesn't that feel counterintuitive? Like what? Are we talking about prayer here? Uh, the verb is used to show the difficulty in comprehending the vastness and majesty of God. So you're coming to prayer and you're coming to a fight. And you're coming to a fight because you are limited, you are finite, and you're coming before the eternal, unlimited, immeasurably more God and begging God, would you show me your love? Someone, someone once said, it's almost like Paul's praying, Holy Spirit, would you, um, would you like do something to their heart in such a way? Would you lay down this layer in their heart in such a way where the love of God sticks to it? We're, we're prone to let everything else stick to our hearts. Would it be the love of God that sticks and becomes real to them? And here's what's been beautiful to me. It's almost like Paul is inviting us into how he meditates on the love of God. Look what he says. He says, you may have strength to comprehend with, with all the saints. Talk about a group project. What is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. He says, I, I want you to know the breadth, length, height, and depth. And so let's, man, let's use our creative imaginations and just kind of see maybe Paul taking us by the hand and helping us see how he meditates on the love of God so that we might do the same, breadth. Maybe Paul's thinking there about the fact that God's love is so wide that it extends to all people's all ethnicities, all colors, all ages, male and female, young and old, sick and healthy. The love of God in Christ is so wide and broad, it reaches to all peoples. He might've had Revelation 7, 9 through 12 in mind. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So just, just here tonight, Paul expounding this wide love of God that you and I were members as Christians of a mighty, diverse, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-tongued people who've been purchased by the precious blood of the lamb because of the wideness of his love. Paul says, oh, what breadth. Do you know the breadth of God's love? Do you know how wide it is? How does that impact your own inner being? Do you see it? Are you experiencing it? He goes on to the links. How long, what are the links of his love? 
They're so long that he will never let you go. They're so long that they span eternity. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you, God says, with an everlasting love. Or I think of Jesus saying to his disciples in John, my sheep, they know my voice, they follow me. And he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Like Paul says later in Romans 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God. This is how long his love is. It's long enough to span eternity. It's long enough to hold you in such a way where he, he will never forsake you. He will never let you go. What about the depths? Paul, maybe Paul's thinking that his love is deep enough to leave heaven and earth, heaven and come to earth and rescue of the worst of sinners. I gotta think Paul's thinking about his own story. Part of, part of Paul's story is that he would persecute uh, believers, he would imprison them, kill them, and he would uh, blaspheme the name of God. And he says that God found him in such a way that God brought him into his family in great patience and in great mercy. So maybe this is why Paul could write in Romans 5, uh, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, Paul's saying, oh, how deep is the love of God? Do you, do you comprehend it? Do you meditate on it in such a way that it stirs your heart and changes you? Last, he says the heights. The psalmist says this, that God's love stretches to the heavens. It's the picture of where he wants to take us. One day, the Corinthians says, we will be like him when we see him. When we see him, we'll be like him because we will be with him. Or in John 17, Jesus prayed, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. I want them, the glory that I see, the glory that I have, I want them to join in that too. So do you hear what Paul's done? It's so beautiful. His love, God's love, it's wide enough to include all peoples. His love, it's long enough to start before time and keep going on securing us. His love, it's deep enough to leave heaven and come to earth and rescue the worst of sinners. His love, it's high enough to bring you into the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, what love, Paul says. Like, oh, what love that we have in Christ. And so our last little prayer block here as a family, I just want you to think about where do you run? When you feel weary, when you feel discouraged, when you feel defeated, when you feel confined by your circumstances, where are you prone to run? Is it possible that one of the greatest antidotes to feeling defeated, discouraged, and down is to meditate on the matchless love of God and let him stir you afresh with how great and high and wide and deep his love is? Just take a minute, look at that question, think on that for a second, and let's just take a minute or two and let's pray. God, would you strengthen me to know your love? Would you uh, help me meditate on your love? And just think about the love of God here for a minute tonight, and then we'll move on to our last thing. Well, Father, we just pray this for Northway Church. God, that you'd make us a people that are strengthened, that we might grasp more of your love. You make us a people that are um, just receiving the love of God and dispensing the love of God to those that don't know your love. Just thank you for the promise of these texts. Thank you for the assurance of your love. We just pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, just go, going home on this, 20 and 21, here's the doxology. Look what Paul says. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, or NIV says, immeasurably more than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And so here's the tension that I feel. 
I think we could think, is Paul over the top? Like it's been said that this prayer is like a ladder and it builds and builds and builds and builds. It's been said it's like a staircase and you climb higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And is he over the top a little bit? Like is he missing some pastoral sense for people in weary circumstances or imprisoned? And we might say, he doesn't know me or he doesn't know my circumstances. But I just, I just want us to see that his marvelous grace is that he he does want to work his power in us and he does want to work his power, his glory in the church, but that's not the hinge. Look how Paul closes. He closes in the only way he knows how and it's in praise of him. He, he uses this three-word phrase, I just want us to hang on to tonight. He just says, now to him, which is really beautiful. He says, now, now to him. So not to us, it's like almost like get your eyes off your circumstances, look up, now to him. Not uh, just circumstances, not just who we are, we keep looking at us of like, what can I do, what can I not? He tries to get our eyes off ourselves and says, now to him, now to him, Paul says. And if it's him, man, tonight, I would just love to remind us as we close of who he is. Can I do that for a minute? Is that okay, 4 p.m.? Yep. All right, nobody. I wanna remind you who he is, now to him. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and the finisher. So Paul says, now to him, gaze on him. He's Old Testament, he's Yahweh. He's the self-existent one. He's El Elyon, he's the God most high. He's Elohim, the God that breathes out the heavens. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, our victory. He's El Roy, the God that sees you, the God that sees me. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. That's why Paul says now to him. We'll go old school. This will be fun. He's a divine sounding board, even when it seems like no one is listening. He's a burden bearer and he's a care lifter. He's a doctor for every disease. He's an answer to every ailment. He's a balm to every bruise. And he's a cure for every calamity. He's a shelter in the storm and a hiding place for the hopeless. He's the lifter of the lowly. This is why Paul says, now, now to him. We'll go to Ephesians for a minute. When we talk about his grace, we've got to say glorious, no other word. When we talk about his power, we have to say immeasurable. When we speak about his love, the only word Paul can get out is unlimited, matchless, without dimensions. It's other than love. He's holy, he's without equal, he's without error. He's the self-existent, never-ending, immeasurably great God. And he's the one that we're asking to strengthen us, that changes the game for us. He's the one they're asking to fill us with measureless love. In church, he's able, you know that tonight, he's able to do that. So Paul says, now to him. Here's what I'd love us to do, just as we close. Two groups, just for those of you that just feel weary tonight, feel weary or confined by circumstances, would you be willing to lean in with us and be ministered to by the Lord and ministered to by one another? James says this, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he'll exalt you at the proper time. So I just wanna ask if you would say, hey, that's me tonight, weariness, fatigued, discouraged, or maybe confined by different circumstances, whatever they would, would you be willing to stand tonight and let us pray for you here in a minute? Just wanna ask you if that's you tonight, if you just would go ahead and stand. been told that I 
talk too fast and ask the questions too fast. I'm just taking my time. I love it. You guys just keep standing. A lot of times at this point, someone says, no one looking around. Well, hey, everybody looking around. It's okay. We're family. It's good. But if you would just stand to this moment, let your brothers and sisters minister in a minute. Let the Lord minister to you. Maybe um, one of the things I was praying, if there, I was praying, God, if there's anyone that comes in tonight, and I know there's different extremes of fatigue, but it's just like, I can't go on anymore. Like, I, it, it's, oh, I can't, I just was praying like that you would stand tonight. I was imagining those in the midst of uh, singleness or those in their marriages or fathers or mothers of like, I can't do this anymore. I was just praying that in the power of the Spirit, you just would stand and, and be ministered to tonight. So if there's anyone else, you just feel free to stand now. And then just the second group, um, one of our members made a really good exhortation to us a couple weeks back, and he just said, you should make more opportunity for people just to, to stand into a moment where they could profess Christ. And so I just wanna say, if there's anyone here tonight and you would say, I, I haven't put my faith in Jesus Christ. Like I've been around here for a while. I've been wrestling with things. I've been uh, teasing things out. I haven't put my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Like I, I don't, um, it's not about Christ dwelling deeper. Christ doesn't dwell. It's not about me understanding his love in a deeper way. I don't know the love of Christ like a Christian does right now. I just would ask you to stand if you would deny if that's you. And we just wanna pray for you as well and come around you as a family. So if we could just do this, brothers and sisters, if we can be the church tonight, not play it, would you just mind gathering around those that are standing? And let's just pray, pray for one another for a few minutes before I close this. Would you just gather around, be family to these brothers and sisters, and let's pray. Let's ask for God's immeasurable power. Let's ask for God's immeasurable love. Let's remember we're coming to a father. And then for those of you that weren't standing, I know our church well enough to know that many of us have brothers and sisters and family members and friends coworkers that we feel burdened by. Just begin to pray for those that might, that you would wish they would be in this room coming in a church building and stand. So let's minister to one another for a few minutes and I'll close this out. Just gonna close this here in prayer. Thank you, friends, for your courage. Father, we just come to you tonight and we just thank you that the scripture it doesn't say that in our strength, you're made strong. It doesn't say in our togetherness, looking all fine and okay, that you're made strong. It says in our weakness that you're made strong. Would you be lifted high in your church tonight? Be glorified in the midst of our brothers and sisters' weakness. Would sorrow shared be sorrow decreased for them and joy shared be joy increased? Would you, who are a divine supplier, in a burden bearer, would you lift burdens tonight? God, would you strengthen them in their inner being that they would feel rooted and grounded more in Christ? Would you overwhelm them with the love of God? Would they experience your love, God, in a fresh way? Would they experience the heights and width and depth and breadth of your love? Please, God, would you do that for them? And God, I just pray that they, they, would, they would walk out of here with a deep confidence in your spirit's work in them and your spirit's work in your church, not because of them or their circumstances, because it's now to, now to you, now to him who's able, that you're a God that's able. Like Romans 16 says, that you are able to strengthen us. Like Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like Colossians 1 says, may he strengthen you according to his glorious might. So Thank you, God. Thank you that you love your church enough to want us to be a strong, weak church, just strengthen them as a weakness. And would you just bless my brothers and sisters tonight? And Father, for anyone that you're just stirring in, uh, that their faith and hope and full reliance might be in Jesus, I just pray that you would save, that you would open eyes to trust and love you, that even give courage just to share that with someone. And so we love you. As always, would you just loosen our lips to sing tonight? We pray this for Jesus' sake, amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from Northway Church. A podcast should never replace gathering with God's people to worship Jesus. So we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 11.15, and 4 p.m., and would love for you to join us as we encounter the truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus.